first to the floor here, and it was Marcus Smart as he usually is. Welcome into another episode of First of the Floor. Ben Vallis here. Thank you for joining us. Hope you're doing well. The Celtics are doing well, six in a row, but not without fault. Jackson Bauer is here to help us figure out what happened to sexy Missoula ball. Jackson, how's it going, man? Hello, mate. Uh, I, I'm. I. Uh, I think this, it's as sexy as it's ever been. Maybe you can tell me why I'm. I mean, correct. Maybe I'm being blinded by just the the, the W's in the in the uh, in the yeah. column there. But um, no, nah, man, love and life. Um, the basketball's good. <laughs> the cricket's good. I'm sure we'll get to both of these in depth later. But uh, yeah, happy to be here, dude. Yeah, absolutely. Six in a row. It is hard at times to see beyond that, but uh, there's a few issues that we'll get into. We've also got our New Zealand correspondent, Joe, uh, raised eyebrow, maybe a little bit more concerned. Joe, how's things? I was just thinking, does Jackson just have a W kink? <laughs> I must. I must. <laughs> Don't we all? It's so strange. <laughs> no, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I actually didn't mind the game, you know. Like I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try and zig away from my, uh, from my usual, um, my alleged skepticism. So I didn't mind it. I thought, oh, um, it was excited to hear that, uh, that pivot, that pivot, Joe. Well, um, let's not get carried away. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm in two minds about it. So maybe you guys can help me sort of reconcile how to feel about the game. So you know, the Celtics win 102, 100. Six in a row, that's great. Getting the wins, satisfying Jackson's W kink. But, you know, I think that because of the high expectations like for this team, some might feel shitty about this win because we didn't just easily defeat them with all of their injuries and their omissions and Marcus Smart being out and the good vibes before the game and all of that. Um, but this Grizz team that had nothing to lose, no expectations of their own, they played free and they played hard. And... We were far from our best, but again, we executed on both ends late in the game, which is a huge difference compared to last year. We're actually executing late in games, which is all that we essentially needed uh, in the end there. And it's the plays to close the game that I think the best demonstrate how different we are from last year. Um, for example, that Tatum post up to a cutting Porzingis dunk, notably because we didn't have Porzingis last year, but we also had a very low rate of Tatum post ups. So while it was an ugly game, uh, we saw our new characteristics sort of ultimately shine through and, and help us win this one. That said, Jackson, I guess there's a, a fair bit to unpack, like I said, given those expectations, and I don't think that we met them today. So what were your main takeaways from this one? Well, I almost put money on Memphis to win this game, honestly, because it just it's one of those like, oh, this is the the team that's dominating everyone. And here's this team that's decimated by injuries on a back to back. Like, it just feel like it was it was just a certainty. And when everything feels like a certainty, uh, like I, I get like, like spider senses just going, oh, shit, something's wrong here. And it, it started to smell like that game. I was like two years ago when we played the Timberwolves and then have anyone and we got like finessed by like Jalen Noel and Nathan Knight. And dudes who barely have jobs anymore, and we lost that game. So it started to feel like it was going that way a little bit. But I was like you said, man. The reason, like, I guess I'm not to get to the point, not like concerned, is because the execution in the clutch, and you know, in, in moments when it really matters, it doesn't matter. Tatum might be off, Brown might be off. I've never seen Pazingas off. I'm sure it'll happen eventually. But um, we've just got the players who can just get the job done. And I think if it's not for some uh, you know, crazy, ill-advised, botched layup from Drew Holiday. We don't get that crazy final 10 seconds and it probably feels like more like the Raptors game did, which was also close, but I guess you could say maybe wasn't as concerning. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. You guys can tell me otherwise, but like I just thought it was... I, I, I agree with Joe. It was a super fun game. It was just chaos, like from the off. Like Brown had a post dunk like five seconds in and that just sort of set the tone for a really crazy back and forth game. So I enjoyed it and yeah, not too concerned yet, so I guess you could say. Yeah, Joe? It's it's just that's the NBA season. You got to win ugly sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. So and and they will get paid millions of dollars to play basketball. So you know they can <laughs> yeah. they can all win. You know they can all win on any any given night. Even uh, you know even though they're trotting out old mate Piero Cameron, Piero Cameron's lost son, 
if you know who Perry Cameron is. I don't. <laughs> who are well, we talking about here? We're talking about uh, Kenny Lofton Jr. You know, who's, okay. uh, oh, right. sure. Okay. Who's a, he's a big man. He's a big he, man. He's not like the ass. He doesn't suffer right. from that particular ailment. No, <laughs> no he doesn't. <laughs> but he suffers from another couple, and um, <laughs> they involve giving up runs to the Celtics because I think uh, we were looking to get a bit of separation there while he was on the floor, and then he got pulled for Jaron Jackson and order was restored a bit. Um, yeah, I just think you could, you know, we just got to win ugly a few times. Um, if it was like this every time, <laughs> right against a poor team, then um, that would that would probably be more of a sign of concern. But I don't view it. Maybe it's like I don't view it as a negative. Mm-hmm. It's not like you view it as a positive, a massive positive. I just don't view it as a negative. So that puts me sort of ahead on the uh, – on the vibe scale compared to everybody else. Interesting. Ah, oh, the, the new Joe. I'm looking forward to getting to know the new Joe <laughs> during this podcast. Yeah, I mean, one one thing that was pointed out by much smarter people than me post-game was that the, the Grizzlies, they weren't helping once we achieved dribble penetration. So, like, it, for the Celtics, it's all about, like, drive and kick, or at least this, this new iteration of the Celtics. And there were no kick-out options because they weren't helping on those drives. And you even mm. saw guys like Derek White, whose rim reads are always, like, totally solid, get to the rim. He had a see, like, Yeah, like, the yeah. defense just didn't collapse in the way that he's used to it happening 99% of the time. The kick-out options weren't there because they started, like, five fucking bigs. There was always, like, some huge body at the rim as well. And it, he just, like, had a brain explosion every time. And you can say that for... I mean, there were a lot of brain explosions in this game, particularly Drew Holiday trying to dunk that ball uh, in the closing seconds of the game. But um, that that game plan from the Grizzlies' perspective almost, you know, almost defeated the Celtics, really. It was sort of a, it was a really discombobulating and kind of a um, an awesome plan, given their, their lack of personnel. So it almost worked. I'm, I'm a little bit worried that it generates a bit of, like, helpful footage for our bigger opponents, our, our closer rivals, as far as like how to adjust your defense to to confuse the Celtics. Um, but that was an interesting game plan. And yet, and this is why I'm in two minds about it. We, we found a way to overcome. You know, we executed mm-hmm. down the stretch. We closed the game well. We had good clutch buckets from our key players. All things that we couldn't expect last year and then just adding Marcus Smart like the fact that he was present at the game and were like in front of him exhibiting uh, exhibiting rather all of these new traits um, I thought was an interesting dichotomy um, dichotomy is the right word right <laughs> I why not that word correctly. <laughs> you got it. Um, yeah uh, Joe other takeaways from this game like it was it was a tough shooting night you know we talked about the, the lack of kick out options and as a result of that only 31 three point attempts from the Celtics in this one like we just didn't get up a Missoula level amount of threes and yet Hauser comes out and goes five for seven from three and just like keeps the Celtics in this in this game over huge stretches for the second game in a row we did the exact same thing against the Raptors um, I guess like Given what we thought, like we're kind of getting to know this team still, right? And then we have these like pivots where suddenly we have a one or two game stretch where it's like, oh, hang on a second. This doesn't look like what I've just gotten used to seeing. So like, what did you see from the Celtics in this one as far as like, despite them not being their new selves, they still managed to pull out a win? Yeah. I I don't know if I've got a great answer here. It's just that they, despite, despite a lot of things that really hurt their ability to generate a rhythm, those offensive foul calls really yeah. set rhythm in a game. Mm-hmm. They set they set rhythm, and obviously they give the ball to the other team. So it just it always makes the game a bit dirtier when the refs are calling it like that. You know, I think I can't remember how many we had or what, but there was at least eight because I remember Scal saying in the fourth quarter that's like that's like eight offensive fouls to the Celtics. Mm. I don't know how many points possession we're scoring uh, this year. It's probably something like one point two. So if you have if you if you only have three offensive fouls, right, and the Celtics score one point two points on five shots, right, that's six points. You know, and the yeah. game the game's the game's just a bit different at different points in the game. Probably still would have been close, but would have been a little more comfortable. Um, yeah, it didn't. Even though we didn't do well, it was we weren't able to pull away. It wasn't like we had to rally. Right, so one of the key things from last, like previous iterations of the Celtics, is they had that little habit of like getting way behind and then doing the fake comeback. Mm-hmm. It's <laughs> way better it to too s- well. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, fake comebacks suck. Um, these aren't like super comfortable games, but like that's what you have to do to win, right? Like you have to make sure that you stay. I watched Formula One for like the first time ever last night. Man, they've got some stupid rules, but it <laughs> did give like a, a reasonable analogy that DRS thing that you've got to stay within a second or something. Yep. Right. And then you get to randomly go faster than the other guy. So mm-hmm. stupid. But anyway, it's kind of what it's like in basketball, right? Like you've just right. got to stay in touch so you can use your DRS, you know? Yeah. Because your DRS is going to come at some point. But the Celtics, they the, just never let they, – they, they, they stay close enough and they stayed a bit ahead. Um, the, end so season, the end season tournament needs to bring some DRS in. They want to like make it that much <laughs> interesting. Yeah. Give him spoiler. Sorry, <laughs> make, make, make three pointers worth four or something like that for the yeah. other team. Like that's honestly, oh, it's so stupid. But anyway, yeah. Uh, does well, it make I mean, sense? It's like the absence no, of negatives more than a positive. Yeah. No, it, it totally does. I don't know, Jackson. You got any more thoughts on the game? It's it was, yeah. it was such a just a messy, messy, messy game. It's it's difficult to kind of compare mm-hmm. it to anything we've seen so far this year. It was kind of yeah. one of a kind. Yeah, in, in the grand scheme of things, like I think if you, if your regular season consists more of games that are, like aren't negatives as opposed to like you know like you know showing <laughs> off the the absolute pinnacle of your powers versus like you know when you looks like when you are like at the ceiling at that or at the floor rather, I think that's you know that's about as good as you can hope for. Like obviously we have expectations that this team's going to be you know a, a, a championship contender. Let's be real. Um, so when you don't play like that, obviously it sucks. But to answer your question, like and I don't know if you're like going to like pivot into this um now, but I mean, the difference for me was Pazingas. Mm-hmm. You know, like it, it, Brown may have underwhelmed a little bit. Tatum certainly did. On, on paper, it looked like Tatum had a fine game, but like he was just really not in, involved. And like those offensive um, fouls and turnovers were one thing. Yeah. But um, Pazingas I, just found, I, I found he just had, he was so reliable scoring the ball. Um, those six blocks, obviously the one at the end, fantastic. Um, there's a brilliant pass to, to, to Jalen Brown for like a backdoor cutting slam. Is JB just should be called the backdoor man? I don't know if that's a little on the nose, but like I feel like that's just his, <laughs> that's just where he's like, that's just, he's always there. Um, and I mean, and he, shout out Pazingas, didn't get a tech foul tonight. <laughs> this is a, this is a rarity. Close. So yeah, he did come close. Um, I think Jalen ended up picking one when I thought it was going to be Pazingas, but um, I thought he was just massive for us. And I think if we're without this game, I think if he had sat this game for like whatever reason, um, it definitely wouldn't have gone as well. Yeah, Joe, yeah, any thoughts I, on Paul Zingas? Yeah, yeah. I think generally he's been the 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 pleasant surprise for me of the season. He's just um playing with a lot more physicality than I had like typecast him <laughs> with. And and I sort of think, well, why didn't he work out with Luca? Like if he played like this with Luca, wouldn't it have all been fine? Wouldn't it? Like, am I wrong? Yeah, I think he's just gotten better as a player. I think his utilization in Dallas was probably not the same as what we're doing here. Um, but ultimately I think he's just, I think he's just a more mature guy who's on a team that he recognizes he can win a title with. So he's just playing the role and ha- being mm. happy with it. That's just an opinion. Like, I don't know, there might be something else going on, but I just think he's, he's just a better player than he was then. We talked about in, uh, like media day joining the Celtics, like he has adjusted his lower body workouts and his routine and like he's definitely made physical and mental improvements since Dallas. And then like with Luca, obviously I don't know the guy, but. Like his, his ability to get onto that. Well, well maybe, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll flip, flip over to a close personal friend uh, and our New Zealand correspondent Joe to talk about all things Luka Doncic. But like his his personality and his ability to gel with other players has been called into question already, right? Where, well, actually, I suppose you can say the same thing about the Jays, right? So it is interesting how he has gelled much better with them, but just that much talent on the floor you know, uh, disallowing defenses to collapse on any one individual, everyone's going to excel. And we're seeing it like, you know, top down as far as our starting lineup and even our top seven is concerned, like even hell, even Sam Hauser. So I do think Porzingis, like it's not, it can't be like for like compared uh, with the Luka Doncic situation for Porzingis. Like it is a completely different situation as far as like how defenses have to have to look at him along with everyone else on the Celtics as well. But he gets the game ball uh, in this one, absolutely. What did he have, like six? Was it six blocks, seven blocks? Um, six, yeah. Six blocks. Six. Absolutely insane, including the final block of the game in just that, that hectic sequence where there was an offensive rebound and uh, what's his name? Santi Aldama 
put up his 15th three of the game. Thank God it missed because that would have been way too chaotic for what I could uh, handle. Um, there's an offensive rebound from the Grizzlies and then they've got to put up another shot and Blazingas blocks it and like kind of like gestures sort of semi steps over the guy. I think as he's like calling for a potential foul. Uh, from mm. the floor there, so so very interesting. But yeah, the the fit with Porzingis and the fact that there was a lackadaisical approach from p- practically everybody on the team, seemingly except for Porzingis in this game. And just to have that much talent, you can kind of half-ass a game, and someone will just kind of like somewhere between half-ass and full-ass a game <laughs> to use a technical mm. term, and that'll be enough. That's an insane level of talent, and it's. We keep talking about the differences from last year, but that's obviously a huge part of it, just the insane pool of talent. Mm. Yeah, got a lot of top-end talent. I, I, for me, it's not about the pool of talent. It's it's about the, the shape the team sort of plays with. And I've never been a... Like, my reason for, like, regulating the optimism is I'm not, like... Basically, I'm not a huge believer in Missoula ball. Um, I think... It just really results in high variance offense at, at difficult times, and um, I guess the, the 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 what I've seen from Porzingis is he's uh, you know if he plays physically, defensively that really helps us, and offensively it gives some shape to the offense. You know mm-hmm. that you've got to put pressure on the rim. Got to, got to, got to, got to, got to, and and I feel like he's been our most effective, um, our most effective means of doing that. Um, which I, you know, because I'm a casual, um, I didn't, I didn't know how he was going to do it, but it seems like he has. So yay, yay, yay! Indeed, we have Kristaps <laughs> Porzingis, and he's uh, very fucking good. Uh, all right, let's let's try and run down a run sheet here, guys, uh, to try and pretend that we will wrap this thing up uh, at some point tonight. We talked about who gets the game ball. It's definitely Kristaps Porzingis, Jackson. Joe Mazzulla sat both the Jays in the third quarter for like a not insignificant stretch of time. What do you make of that? Like you watch the full game, like based on the rhythm of the game and, and when he pulled those two guys, why do you why do you think he did that? Um I didn't it, it wasn't painfully obvious that they were missing because I think we actually built the lead up. And to be fair, it did come back down to I think whereabouts they they exited when they did come back in, but um, I know Brown had a couple of poor plays to start with, um, so I could see that's why he was being pulled out. Tatum coming out, I'm not so sure. Look, honestly, I- I'm led to believe it's probably just management because we got a back to back tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, so I- I'd-, I'd like to think it's that and not you know some other reason. And you know, no, cancel it. If it is something else, like maybe he's like trying to just coach them a little bit harder. Maybe he's trying to you know like make it make a point about you know some play that didn't go down or, or something that wasn't happening there. I- I'm not too sure, but to be honest, like I don't think we missed them too much. Like the stats might say otherwise, but just watching the game, I was just like, oh shit, where's Tatum? Where's Brown? It- it- everything seemed to be going fine because you know Hauser had our backs. But you know, I'm I'm I think the the most simplest explanation is is the correct one as uh, as uh, Terry Rogers Rose Rage whatever we call it. Occam's Rozier. I was about to invoke Occam's Rozier. I'm glad that you did. No, I, was, thank no, you. I was drowning in, I was drowning in Terry <laughs> Rozierisms. Um, so thank you. Um, I think it, honestly, I think it probably just boils down mostly just to, just to keep just a minute management given this back to back tomorrow. Oh, I was actually yarning to Luca about this and he said, oh, close personal friend. <laughs> what was your thoughts? <laughs> he was like, no, nah, no, nah, it's because he was out late with him. Um, Don Hoka before the game. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, they did a flight to Dallas and, and had a hookah sesh with Luke. And that, that's that's what actually <laughs> happened. Yeah. So it was a violation of team rules. So benched him for the vitals end of third quarter stretch. <laughs> of course. Of course. Mm. Yeah, well, again, invoking Occam's Rose, yeah, the simplest explanation is the, the most likely one, uh, which I think it, it can be said for the full game. Like if we just, if we were going to wrap the po- wrap the podcast now, it's like, it's the first of a back-to-back. This is a, a poor Memphis team missing most of their players. It's a long 82-game season. Like, even if it's just subconsciously and they're not actually discussing it like this as part of the game plan, like, can we come into this game and just kind of, like, piss our talent up the wall and hope that, like, what drips down back onto us is a victory? And, like, they basically <laughs> did exactly that. And they won. Like, that that really is just what happened, right? They, they absolutely half-assed the game. And maybe, unfortunately, they won't learn any lessons from this. I'm sure that Joe Mazzola and, and Co will grill them in film sessions in the morning. Just but walked like, out with just walked out with a 
Essence of Victory around their jandals. <laughs> That's exactly yeah. right. Essence of Victory should be the name <laughs> of this episode. Residue. <laughs> Yeah, so it's yeah. it's kind of it's hard to like try and like break down a game when you like you just we've been watching this team for so long these Jays led teams you know that's what happened and yet yeah Jackson I cut you off there I think you no got that's okay I would all I was gonna say is like you know they were missing a lot of players and they got a terrible record like the Grizzlies don't look like a terrible team to me you know the Wizards were way worse and I know their records are comparable but they were worse we've played other worse teams this year too like I mean I haven't watched a lot of Grizzlies but like I. I bet they haven't gotten smashed a lot. I bet they've lost a lot of like games within like, you know, two possessions or something like that. Cause Mate, they played us hard. They played us hard. So, and they came back from like 20 odd yet last night to beat the Spurs, who are again, aren't, aren't anything to write home about. But like, I just, I think the, I, I think the sooner or later Memphis is going to shoot back up the, the, the West um, table because of the, based on the way they played, I thought they were pretty good. We we might have slept walking through that game a little bit, and we were the, the talent disparity was just good enough in the end. But um, no, I think Memphis are better than their record suggests, even with all their injuries. <laughs> They've got a uh, average margin of loss of negative five point five. Jackson, all right. <laughs> but, so is that, but, is that bad, right? <laughs> there's probably just one really bad game in the mix there. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, it's oh, one rating so good because we won by 50 one time right yeah, we, had that one. Well, yeah, the, yeah. we had the Pacers game and the Wizards game and our net rating has yeah. just been like, living off that feasting off that yeah. ever since so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to die yeah. on that hill though. that's that's what's happening with the, the yeah, universe, but, yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of simplest explanations Julius Rickles in the chat saying they probably ate ba- barbecue all day um, before the game yeah. which uh, if you've ever tried to eat barbecue right. and do anything else afterwards um, you know what Julius is talking about here so again Simplest explanations. The referees in this game played a role, an unfortunate role, a role that no NBA fan wants to see, which is a dominant one in calling really ticky-tack fouls and really asserting themselves into the narrative of the game and, and a lot of stoppages. And it was a game despite its sort of relative insignificance. It was an ugly game. It's not a game that we're going to sort of go back and watch anytime soon. And a huge part of that is the refs asserting themselves in this one. Joe, like, am I am I wrong thinking that the rest were un- unusually involved in this game? Uh, I thought, you know, we've queued up a few few vids, Ben, um, <laughs> just particular, just pertaining to the Jason Tatum shooting foul. But I just, I want to. I think this is an example of like, have you guys ever heard the um, there's some American judge who's like. Can't def- basically, I can't define it what obscenity is, but I know it when I see it. And I feel like the NBA is just constantly trying to define obscenity instead mm-hmm. of letting the refs call it when they see it. So this is an example, this, this Tatum thing. So I don't know, Ben, if you can queue up a couple of, uh, couple of examples of Tatum shooting that um, s- sidestep going left in the corner. Yeah, just sure. watch his... Watch his Watch his right foot there. He was going left there, same direction. Watch it here. Watch his right foot. Watch so his this right is foot. Obviously not the Watch game. that yes. right foot. See yeah, that right that's foot? That's the form. Okay. Watch this right foot here. Spring. Okay. We've got yeah. another one coming up. Okay. No, that's that's now, it. But well it, demonstrated. That's his natural, like, that's his natural shooting motion, which of course it is, because if you're moving hard to your left, your body's going to sway to to counterbalance that, right? Anyway, we've got this video review thing, which is, is to me is just totally needless. You know, they were reviewing, with, with their, what were they reviewing in the first place to check whether it was a two or a three? Just I think call so. it a two. Yeah. Just yeah. call it a two and move on. You know, just make a flipping call, man. The NBA's got to stop trying to, like, let the, per- like, what's the other saying? Letting the perfect be the enemy of the good. So, and mm-hmm. I, I feel like this is an example of it. Yeah. yeah, I hated that call. Hated we've, that we've, call. we've got the clip of the call. Let's run it here very quickly. Able to get where they want to on the floor. Shooting 53% at the moment. Tatum against Zaire Williams. Step back three, Tatum, no. And a foul on Zaire Williams. Form is indiscernible from what you just showed. Yeah. 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 <laughs> They're the same picture, you know. <laughs> <laughs> same guy. Same, yeah. same shooting motion. Um, got to the refs. We've talked about the Jays being sat in the third quarter. Okay, so on Tatum, you, you just mentioned Tatum. I think this is a good place to, to get into this a little bit. So it's only two games, and the way I'm positioning this is a little bit clickbaity. So, like, pull me out of this, Jackson. <laughs> but 
is Tatum sliding into slump territory? We saw eight turnovers, one three-point attempt tonight. You know, he wasn't particularly great uh, or as prolific as we're used to him being against the Raptors also. Yes, it's only two games and he's been fantastic and like a mainstay in the MVP conversation. And yet, you know me, I overthink these things. Two terrible games. Are we in like sliding into slump territory? Um. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's washed up, isn't he? I think the uh, the MVP has <laughs> gone to his head, and he hates sharing the spotlight. No. Um. Again, I'm gonna I'm gonna do the the safe fence sitting answer, and you can you can call that being pulled out of the clickbait zone if you want. But um, two yeah. game sample size. Um. You know, he wasn't at least he wasn't like yeeting up like fifty like twenty threes and like only hitting two of them this time. Like shooting one and going one for one is like really bizarre. But again, I think that just speaks more to. You know the defensive schemes that the um that the the, uh, the Grizzlies were running out on us, and um you know maybe something else that I wasn't picking up upon. But you know he has been down the last couple games. Um, still one. Um, I, there's I, I think the offensive fouls and the turnovers were getting him a lot out of his rhythm a lot. But you know there's still multiple examples where he just was getting to the rim. Like he had a, a really like sweet dunk I think to start the third quarter. Um. You know, he didn't look particularly like bad to me. Again, I mentioned this earlier, but you look at like just the purely just look at the box score turnovers aside. Um, it looks like he had a fine game. So, I mean, I think the the proof's gonna go if, if we're still if if this is a topic or if this is still a pressing issue post the Bucks game. Um, and if that ends up being a loss, then yeah, I'm prepared to have that conversation. But I mean, even if he stinks the joint out tomorrow against Charlotte. Um, you know, I'm still going to, I'm going to wait and see what he does against the box um, later this week before I make that my mind about that. But I'd say two, two road games, you know, gritty opponents, um, you know, it's, it's definitely not a slump for me and wins. Yeah, exactly. It's not, <laughs> yeah. a, not a slump, not a slump for me. It's just a, it's, it's a, it's a slight deviation of his, of his MVP-esque form that the last few games um, had. I'm sorry, I'm just noticing Vion absolutely chewing his face off in the chat here. He's, yeah, he's, he's got some opinions, Vion. <laughs> Get on Appreciate him. Vion, yeah. I yeah, uh, just for audio of uh, folks listening later, like we just reacted to some some mega comments in the chat. Vion, I didn't realize that you were from India, buddy. Uh, so apologies for the World Cup defeat. Fire up, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. You get used to losing to the Aussies. <laughs> just. Uh, <laughs> It just happens. For context, the, uh, Australia won the Cricket World Cup for any, for, for the majority of people listening to the show who have no idea about cricket. Australia won the Cricket <laughs> World Cup last night. We're all very happy, except for Joe and Viom in the chat. Uh, <laughs> I'm, fi- I'm, I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it. I felt like I felt like uh, you know India did everything they could. You know, to put a put a slow wicket in place for the semi final. They we did. Were robbed. No, nah, we weren't. But it's a big effort. Big effort to, just for those folks who don't know. You know, ground conditions play a big role in cricket, and uh, and uh, so when you're playing at home, there's a big advantage. And uh, cricket in India is very different from cricket anywhere else in the world. And Australia mm-hmm. still just smoked them, eh? So it's a huge achievement, absolutely. Yeah. Um, what were Jason we talking Tatum. about? <laughs> is Tatum in a slump? Is Tatum slumping? <laughs> Is Tatum slumping? Oh, uh, nah. <laughs> I think like yeah, eight turnovers, two of which were offensive fouls. It just takes you out of rhythm. I think his handles looked a little bit loose lately, but mm-hmm. um, overall, I've been pretty happy with his mentality. Um, yeah, he's not a like he's a he he likes his high variant shots. They're going to come and go, so I don't know if I'd, I'd put him in in, in slump territory yet. I think uh, I don't know if we've highlighted it from. Um, I don't hear you say it like in Portuguese. Guilherme, Guilherme. It's like William, right? In Portuguese. Okay. Guilherme Tice <laughs> just pointed out that um, oh, sure. that that. Uh, <laughs> I promise I'll make sense eventually. Um, just pointed out <laughs> that he averages quite a lot against Charlotte. So yeah, he does. He does historically own Charlotte, uh, which is true. So, uh, yeah, with Tatum in this game, like, 20 points, fairly efficient, like 7 of 13 from the field, 100% from three, albeit on only one attempt. Like, looking at his impact on the game across the box score and having watched the game, like, he was fairly solid, but it's the eight turnovers and so many of them uh, them being off um, 
uh, charges drawn as well was like the real glaring difference. We're just we're so not used to seeing that. But we, I guess we talked about that from the the whole team holistically as well. That the way that the Grizzlies were defending us, they, they sort of were were drawing a lot of offensive fouls from the Celtics, um, top to bottom through the roster. So maybe Jason Tatum as the key driver, the key um, drive and kick guy, particularly late in games, like he was maybe the the major culprit. But everyone was being sucked into to, um, coughing up the ball that way. Yeah, it, the real measure is how many bad decisions is he making, right? Bad decisions versus good decisions. A lot of his turnovers tonight weren't really like bad decisions. There was one random one where the Grizzlies rookie, he's a real wee man, and he, he just he just came out of nowhere and swiped it from him. You know, that stuff is not going to happen all the time. It's the, it's the bad decisions, over-dribbling, getting yourself into a position where you shouldn't be forcing something. Those are the types of things that worry me more than – you know, a few random turnovers. Tonight's game was just random, eh? Super random. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a tough, tough pill to swallow. There's just so many, like, new and unsavory talking points for a win. You know, like, you're used to either, like, like heavily criticizing the team, and that's kind of that's information that I'm being fed from watching and reading about the game is, like, it's criticisms, and yet it was a win. So it's kind of, it's hard to digest in that sense. Um, we do have a... Uh, Celtic players debut to get to. Uh, we're going to get to a message from our sponsor in a second, but I will say that in the last week, three games or so, we've added two new win styles to the win catalog that we haven't had this season, right? So we had we had the like the signature win, right? Like we beat the Sixers on the road. Hospital Celtics, yes, like they were coming off a back to back, but they've been great. Maxi's been great, and Bede's been great. We were shorthanded, and yet we beat them. Handily, so we got the like quote unquote signature win, and then I would categorize the Raptors game and the Grizzlies game in the same way, which is the gritty play like shit but find a way to win. Win, so those are two new win styles that we can add to the win category. And we're going to be tracking this all season, adding things to the catalog. But it was it was nice to see, particularly the signature win, um, added to the, the Celtics plate there this season. I, I, I. That's a great way to think of it. I was thinking about like albums, you mm-hmm. know, it can't just be all bangers on the album, right? Because then it's like, now that's what I call vol- new music volume 40, you know? Uh-huh. <laughs> you need gotta some fillers. Your, you got to have some fillers. You got to have some B-sides. You can't yeah. all be you Hit know? Machine 13 from 1997. Yeah. We're going to have like interludes and like skits that just aren't funny, and, but they go for like 25 seconds. That's so. right, but, but it's we'll all part on. of- the texture of the album, you know, that makes it great. We can't just Indeed. be this emotional pitch where it's just, you know, living on a prayer, you know, for eighty-two games straight. You know, <laughs> we need a little, we need a little Tennessee whiskey sometimes. Yeah, mm. you know those you know? those Tool albums where it's just like ambient sounds <laughs> between like those <laughs> huge <laughs> epic tracks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, quick break for a word from our sponsor, FanDuel. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in Massachusetts. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $5 pregame money line wager required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GamesenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. And now back to the show. All right, thanks to the CLNS Network for presenting the show and shout out to FanDuel for sponsoring it along with all other shows on the CLNS Network. Guys, I want to get to Namias Keita. I hope I'm saying that right. I think I've said every variation of that name, but he debuted for the Celtics in this game. Um, I think that Luke Cornette is going to sleep well tonight. I don't think that Namias Keita Jackson demonstrated anything that is going to ring alarm bells in Luke Cornette's mind. Um, what, did, what did you see from Keita in this one? Yeah, I got some notes here. It says no thoughts. Yeah, <laughs> but I'll I'll do you I'll do I'll do I'll, I'll give brutal. you some content. Um, 
he is coming off an injury that has kept him out for a while. So, mm-hmm. and he had what five minutes. So let's just let's give him a little break. I think there there will be games. There will be you know there needs to be he needs to have his moment where he plays the entire fourth quarter, a la like you know the Wizards or the Pacers game, and you know to show what he can can really do. But yeah, no, um, I desperately need you know, depth at the big man spot because um, inevitably Pazingas will miss some time. Horford's going to miss some time. Cornette can only do, you know, Cornette things. Um, so, yeah, no, I have hope that he's going to, you know, he, he, he will be a bit better, but I don't think he's going to be cracking the rotation anytime soon. But so happy for him. I love the number 88 on any jersey. It's what I wear when I play. So uh, whether he's <laughs> terrible or not, I like seeing the number 88 out there. Man. So, you know, he's, I'm a fan of him regardless. <laughs> wow, you you wear eighty eight when you play basketball. It's Hell a hi- yeah. highly obscure Hell number. Yeah, That's <laughs> it's like really sem- yeah, it was, was eighty eight. <laughs> yeah, well, the eighty eights was like it was Nick Nick Batum and someone else I can't think of. But yeah, there's not very many of them. So when they show up, it's good. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah, man. Isn't that like the? Isn't that like the? like the Chinese lucky number, right? Number eight? Am yeah, well, that right? it's eight is like the lucky number. So I believe double eight is just like, you know, double luck. So, yeah. yeah. But hey, Doncic is 77. So, you know, one guy popularizing the the double double numbers. So, yeah. Name is Kata. Just be as good as Luka Doncic and you'll be you'll be sweet, mate. <laughs> That's all it takes. <laughs> uh, we don't have to go log on this, Joe, but any Namias Kata thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> all, all that came to mind was I was uh, talking with an old friend this weekend and he referenced this meme that he'd seen um, and it was about how like being a partner at a big four accounting firm is getting paid 600K a year to sit on Microsoft Teams, unmute your microphone at the end, say, yeah, nothing from me, and then remute it. Say <laughs> 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 so everyone bye, 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 bye. <laughs> yeah, dream role, basically. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, so... Nothing for me. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll just say that he looked completely lost on defense, uh, yeah. like brutally so and apparent to even the most untrained eye, which can be me at times. Just like literally like looking back to the bench mid-possession being like, where should I be? Only to be pointed to an open shooter in the corner or an open dump off, um, you know, big in the paint and to quickly... Scramble over to them slightly too late. Um, hence, his time on the court was was very short. Um, so, what else can we get to here? I, well, before we move on, because we haven't had you guys on since the preseason, I want to ask you guys sort of more at a macro level about Porzingis, especially because we're at the, the junction of the season where we just saw Marcus Smart, who, of course, was involved in the Porzingis trade. And I think it's a, a good time to ask you guys who we haven't heard from yet about you know, your thoughts now that we've got some sample size about that trade. I have a feeling I know the answer, but some good moments from this game. So, speaking of Paul Zingas, the KP to JB connection, that's real. We saw them connect on, on either end to and from each other in this game again. Um, we saw Jalen Brown, or rather Jason Tatum post-ups in this game. Again, effective, a number of turnaround uh, shots, which look to be money for Jason Tatum, but also passing opportunities that come from him being doubled in that situation. Despite this being an ugly game, there were some good moments. So are there any other good moments that you guys caught from this one before we get on to the Porzingis stuff? A couple of good dunks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was like, dunks like said, for a while there. Yeah, yeah. In a, in a game that was like so random, like, and again, we we all have deemed it to be ugly and probably not very rewatchable. It was a pretty exciting fourth quarter, at least. Like there was like on paper, it, like it was everything that you could ask for, but because it like stunk so much of like Miami Game Seven, two thousand. 22 in that ending there. Everyone's just kind of like, oh, okay, enough for that one, moving on, nothing nothing to see here. So Yeah, there's a, there's a um, trauma. Yeah, look- there's a level of trauma with Celtics fans that make these kinds of games difficult to enjoy. Yeah, and it's just, and it's like, I feel like, I feel like this is a trope and I'm so I've used at this stage, but like, it, it, I think it bears this true here. It's like, hey, previous teams would have lost that game and I like definitely think previous games would have previous teams would have just botched the execution we botched the we botched the final you know layup anyway but hey it didn't cost us but I think it would have maybe in the past so um no overall I'm happy with the win I'm happy with the experience as, as heart attack level as it was towards the end but um yeah nothing to add from me yeah I think maybe we haven't really like given enough credit to the what happened on that go-ahead bucket because um, there was a lot going on on that play, like the, that the Grizzlies double, go ahead bucket. Double was a, that du- sorry, the Grizzlies go ahead bucket. 
no, no, no. We we won. <laughs> the the, the going. Yeah. but they they took the lead <laughs> the late in the game with like a minute ago. Is that what we're talking about? Yeah, it was tied a hundred all, and the bucket that put us ahead one hundred and two okay. to one hundred. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Thanks for clarifying. <laughs> <laughs> um, the um like that was a that was a really good double. Like Tatum could not see where it was coming from. He might have known. I think. There was a little interaction between him and Drew after it happened, which leads me to suggest that Drew, like, maybe called out to him where the double was coming from. Um, and then KP just kind of just, you know, just got in the old, got in the old slipstream there. And, and I, I thought that was a really good play for a lot of reasons. One, Tatum, like, not getting caught out there. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. um, and two, pausing us. Moving off the ball, um, if that's that's what he needs to do to be effective, and um, he's been really effective diving to the rim. It's been it's been that's been really good, been a really good feature of his game. So it was just so if you're looking for positives there, right at a at a high leverage point in the game, Tatum put pressure on the hoop, got a double, saw the double coming. There was at a court movement off the ball, and he was able to find it. Or was good. alerted to the double, as he said. I think he might have been. Like, I'd have to go back and, like, I'd love to know what happened. But there was definitely, like, Tatum definitely really acknowledged Drew after the play. I remember that. And I remember thinking, what did he say? You know? Some, might something have just been, like, regardless of what just happened, I just want you to know that you're awesome and I love you. Maybe. That's what I would say <laughs> I, to Drew Holiday. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Well, look, let's, let's move on because we've got to wrap up at some point. I'm interested to hear from from both of you on this. You were both, we all were really devout Marcus Smart stands, but I've I've at least sort of exercised some demons live on the podcast over the last couple of weeks. You guys, we haven't had the pleasure of, of having you on in that regard yet. So seeing Marcus today, it gives us an avenue to to circle back on the trade. Jackson, I'll start with you. Like, what are your views on Porzingis' impact on the team? Twelve games in, compared to what you think. Marcus Smart would have given us in that same time and then like where are you at now compared to where you thought you'd be because I think there was a lot of friction when the trade happened like the Smart's just going to be more impactful throughout the course of a season and now we're seeing how much Porzingis unlocks this team where are you at now and then like how does that compare to where you thought you'd be at sure well to work backwards I guess my biggest concern at the time the trade happened was he's very injury prone um, and where is like the defense on the perimeter going to come from? Um, this is before we got Drew Holiday, mind you. Yeah. So <laughs> it's yeah. very hard to compare the two of them because basically we did a like for like smart for Holiday, like after the fact. And like, as much as I don't want to admit it, as much as Marcus Smart's still my favorite player, Drew Holiday is just that much better. Like, if if you want to win a fight, you get take Marcus Smart. You want to win a basketball game, get Drew Holiday. Like, I don't think that's like disrespectful or like, you know, tarnishing Marcus Smart's legacy to say something like that. But um, you know, Pozingas, he's efficient. He's a he's a much better rim protector than Smart is, obviously. I think he averages like one turnover a game, whereas poor old Marcus is something at like three and a bit. So I just think we're getting so much more reliable, consistent. Uh, output from him and you know it just he's just his fit in the team I just I didn't think it would be as seamless as it has like it hasn't been perfect obviously so seamless might not be the right word but you know it just it looks like they've all been playing together for longer than than they have and you know I think it's looking at Marcus Smart on the Grizzlies bench this is going to be a really weird analogy but stick with me here do you remember those TV shows? Every it happens every now and then. It's like a documentary where they take like a bunch of people from all walks of life into like an abattoir, and it's about like you know the factory farming <laughs> and the entire like you know um, uh, uh, you know food <laughs> industry and whatnot. Okay. And then they put they get the poor cow out, and then they and they like stun gun them, and everyone sort of has a little cry and whatnot. But then as soon as they start processing the carcass, it's like oh yeah, it's meat now. So. Seeing Marcus Smart for the first time in a, in a Grizzlies jersey, it was like, oh no, that's that sucks. But now he's just like, now he's just like a steak, hey, and and, and, and we got and we got to eat him, you know. So I'm still very personally invested in his in his personal success, career on on the court and off the court. But if he's going to be, if he's an opponent of ours, then to me, like he's just he's just another player. And like, is that is that horrendous? Is that insane? I don't know. I just for me, he's just. I'm just I'm, I'm happy we have Christoph Pazingas and Drew Holiday instead of Marcus. <laughs> 
Poor Marcus, yeah. poor Marcus Smart getting sent off to the works. It's just yeah. his tank. <laughs> I warned you, I, 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 I don't know if that was, that was, that was, that was a, an accurate <laughs> analogy to make, but just what I thought looking at him, like, yeah, that's that sucks, but I'm over it now. And this analogy, this analogy Brad Stevens wears white gum boots. I don't know if they do that in Australia, but in New Zealand, it's the white gum boots. <laughs> it's freezing workers. <laughs> just <laughs> All right. So, okay. So Jackson <laughs> thinks. Okay. So the takeaway is that Marcus Smart is a steak. Uh, yeah. <laughs> weirdly, I, I I understand where you're coming from with that. Like I nice. do. All right. I do. Cool. Um, Joe, <laughs> can, can you can you take this anywhere else? Like, like where do you go? Jackson's from there? just processed our grief. Not unlike the way <laughs> that the you know that, yeah. that the unusable parts of the carcass are processed into sausage. Carcass yeah. smart. And yep. Carcass smart. <laughs> 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 what have I done? I shouldn't have gone there. Oh, We're off the rails here. We're off the rails here completely. <laughs> Can you attempt to process Carcass Smart so we can get through this segment? (laughs) (laughs) I'm broken, Joe. Oh, there you go. Oh oh my gosh, that's so sad. (laughs) It is. That's what I'm saying. The fact that that, this is where we're at, where it's like off the cuff jokes about Marcus, who was so near and dear oh to us. Some people are calling him Marcus Smart. But- Carcass Smart. <laughs> it does. <laughs> but it's it's so easy. It's so easy to throw those jokes out now. And that's I was saying this on the last podcast. I feel a lot of personal guilt about being here <laughs> with Marcus. Like that's too easy to like jettison the the sentimentality, right? Like it's just it's already gone. That's devastating. Mm. It's obviously hilarious, but it's devastating as well. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, go ahead. It'll be it'll be it'll be different when we actually play him, and like you know, it'll be it'll be a tragedy if he like is injured or just for whatever reason can't play at the garden, and then you have to do it like a year after the fact, and it's a little and the like the it's not as it's not as passionate, you know what I mean? Like the same level that we had when KG and Pierce came back. Um, but um, yeah, no, like to, to to bring it back to some sort of like you know semblance here. I think we're just getting way more from Chris Tuspasingas <laughs> the benefits this team compared to what Marcus Smart brought us, and my concerns about what we would be missing have completely been covered up by Drew Holiday. So that's the that's my point. Yeah. That's that's the takeaway. Abattoir. Um. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like there's just there's nothing left on the table. Is like, well, I wish like I miss this thing that that Marcus brought that Porzingis doesn't have like he just brings so much more again feel guilty saying that mm. that there's there's not this longing for Marcus Smart right like I guess there's a personal longing in that like we called this show first to the floor and I don't think anyone has dived to the floor since Marcus Smart was traded and that's that's tough um, mm. to keep like the theme of the show alive but uh, other than that like I'm not I'm not thinking about him game to game Fair enough, man. Um, it's that's that's a pretty good one, man. Carcass smart. <laughs> we'll move on. Uh, we'll, we'll wrap with this. So, previewing the Hornets game. So the Hornets they're on a four game losing streak as Joe tries to keep it together. Uh, their defense, the Hornets, is ranked last in the league, giving up one hundred twenty two point three points per one hundred possessions. The offense is ranked. 18th. Suffice to say, the Hornets are dog shit. Uh, do you see this, Joe, being a loss in any real sense? Um, it feels like almost a guaranteed win, and yet in saying that, I feel like I've sealed the Celtics' fate in losing this game. <laughs> Shouldn't be. Should be sweet. Mm. Yep. <laughs> cool. <laughs> <laughs> it should. Yeah, it's really just that, right? It should be sweet. Jackson, I don't know. Anything else yeah. to add? Yeah, now the Hornets are ass, man. Like Lamelo Ball might have 30, 11, and, and eleven, and but that'll be it. You know what I mean? Um, we are due a stinker, like a stinker that actually like costs us 
um, a win. So I don't think it's coming tomorrow. To be to be brutally honest, I think mm-hmm. I think I think you might you might see them sit Jalen Brown. You know, nursing. You know, his his abductor or his groin or whatever is, is wrong. You might even see Pozingas sit out. Um, you know, we've we've had one of those games already, and we beat you know what was the number one seed in the East. So you know, we that, that I'm I'm pretty sure starting Nemish Cater would still be pretty chill for us in this game. Not that we're going to do that, <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I'm not I'm not concerned. This could age poorly, but I'm not concerned about the Hornets one bit. Yeah, I was going to say like Jackson throwing shade, but also it's like that's like a completely reasonable approach, right? Like we would have to be. Ex- exceptionally terrible to to lose against the Hornets under any circumstances. Again, I can't help but feel like I'm stealing their fate by saying that. But um, the, add, add in the fact that that Jason Tatum has historically absolutely torn up the the Hornets' um, semblance of a defense. Uh, things would have to go very poorly. That said, they have just had Miles Bridges return, obviously under very clearly. Uh, um, uh, murky circumstances given what's going on with him. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know why I even brought that up, but it's just something that's going on with the Warriors. Um, that's the Warriors. The Hornets, excuse me. Uh, I don't know if that adds extra motivation to the guys as far as like, we'd like to beat this scumbag, but uh, it certainly adds extra motivation to me. Uh, but there, there's nothing like looking through the cleaning the glass profile, the NBA stats profile of the Hornets. There's nothing absolutely zero that jumps off the page is something that might be able to exploit any supposed weaknesses with the Celtics. So I have almost zero concern about this game. Mm. Yeah, we always smoke them, eh? So it should be right. Yep. Cool. It's the hard of the analysis <laughs> you come for, but, you know. <laughs> well, look, I, I suppose we can wrap it up there. Like We've covered a lot uh, given the you know, what we have to work with here, which is a really ugly couple of games, these last two games, and potentially another ugly game coming up in, in less than 24 hours. Um, before we wrap up, up guys, anything that we've missed, anything else that you want to add before we wrap up the show? No, nothing for me. No. Just enjoying enjoying the season so far. Again, we might we might stress over, you know, the, the minutia of like, you know, underwhelming performances on the road against mid-table to sort of lower table teams. But um, things are good, eh? Things are very, very good, and I'm going to enjoy them while they're good. Before you know, it's like there'll be a spanner that's going to show up and just like send the season sideways at some point. Until that, I'm just going to just going to enjoy it, and there's nothing to not enjoy at the moment, in my opinion. Yeah, it's it's nice. It's a nice change. Like so far, the adversity that we were promised has still just come along with wins, uh, which makes it uh, a thoroughly enjoyable season. So hopefully we see that again tomorrow against the Hornets. All right, guys, that's going to do it for this one. Thank you so much for joining us. Remember to like the video, subscribe or ever, support the show, whether it be YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, subscribe, leave a five-star review, help us navigate the very difficult algorithm. We're going to be back on here tomorrow night after the Hornets game for another edition of Celtics Late Night. Jackson, Joe, love your work, guys. Until next time, go Celtics. Go Celtics.